Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Lakers Side Chats. I am your host as always, Alan Ramich. Um, a very fun podcast, first time guest on the show, but an overdue guest, um, a guy we've been trying to make this happen for a while now. Um, and then lockdown happened and all <laughs> sorts. And, you know, uh, you might know him as a LeBron hater. I just call him an honest guy, Laker <laughs> fan. Twitter personality. He has his own podcast now, The Temple of Hoops. It's a brilliant listen. I recommend everyone to go listen to it. Jason Maples, my man, welcome. Finally, how are you? I'm good, man. It's good to finally get her, sit here and connect with you, man. Thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. Anytime. You know, we 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 talked hoops in the DMs and in the in the timeline plenty of times. So it's gonna nice to actually be able to talk and have it recorded and be out there in a the public platform anyway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Well, the biggest takeaway so far for the bubble with the Lakers is they took their Madden tournament more seriously than the regular season games. <laughs> I'm sure that's the same takeaway for you as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, just, it seemed like after the after the Clipper game, uh, they were just trying to just trying to make it through without getting hurt and try to get some rhythm. You know, Vogel was obviously mm-hmm. trying some things, trying to get a look at different lineups. Um, a little bit of it was nerve wracking. Uh, you want to see some some resemblance of what we saw before mm-hmm. the season stopped. But, you know, they made it through. They're healthy. I think they got a good first-round opponent to get their offense going. And uh, let's get this let's get this show on the road. Quest for 17, baby. Well, I can't lie. I had Aaron Larsoul on last week. And Aaron Larsoul and me, we, we discussed. And I tried to be the eternal optimist and go, yeah, I'm not really worried. And then he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of worried. And I, I, that was my feeling too. I had some apprehension. But then I saw LeBron play against the Pacers. I was like, okay, that dude's just coasting through. We're all good here. We're all good. Yeah, it was just um, the thing for me was uh, at this restart, you know, you get three scrimmages mm-hmm. in eight games. So it was mm-hmm. not a lot of time to like kind of rev up and just kind of lollygag through it. So I was hoping they would just, they would kind of, after a few games, it's like, let's get a few games, hit the ground running. But um, I guess they prioritized health all year. They did that same way in the bubble. So mm-hmm. Vogel said he's got his rotations down. And they made it through healthy. Let's let's rock. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Portland, Portland, baby. Hey, let, let, let's just jump into that because um, obviously we had the playing game. What we're recording Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon for Jason Cali time. Um, what did you make of you know? What do you make of the Portland matchup? Um, obviously you don't think the trailblazers are going to win because, you know, you watch basketball and, you know. <laughs> um, the matchup-wise, the Lakers obviously are the far superior team. Uh, the Lakers, the one thing that can make the series go an extra game, like five instead of a sweep mm-hmm. maybe, is that the Lakers, they have struggled defending uh, smaller quick guards all season just from a personnel standpoint. And then without Bradley, mm-hmm. that just exacerbates it even more. So – you know, Dane might go supernova one game and steal Portland one. Uh, but other than that, just everywhere else, just inside, I think, you know, Nurkic and Collins are overmatched against Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. They have nobody to defend LeBron James. It's like Carmelo Zero. and Gary Trent. Or Carmelo's too old and slow, never was a great defender. Trent is way too small. LeBron's going to put him in the put him in the basket. Uh, just when you don't have anything to slow down LeBron or AD, just they just have no chance. The, the Dame will literally literally have to average fifty or high forties to give them a shot in this series. I just don't see it happening. But he's capable of getting them one. I think he's capable of getting he'll get them one to make things interesting, and then the Lakers will just you know assert their dominance as they have all season with inferior teams. Well, that that's the biggest takeaway for me is um, no doubt. If Nurkic was healthy the entire year, I don't think they'd be the eight seed. First of all, yeah. I think they'd be mm-hmm. four or five. I think they would be they'd be within that OKC, Houston, Denver, Clipper range. Obviously, the Clippers are close. You know, bubble before the bubble. I'm looking here. I'm looking at the divide because right, the right. bubble sort of brought everything closer together. Um, I don't know. I never. I and I, I understand Dame, like like we touched on before the podcast, and you know, you know how big a fan I am of Dame Lillard and Nurkic, and you know, CJ's fantastic as well. But like you said, there's no wings on that team that, like, even scare me a little bit. Like, if 
if they had Ariza and Rodney Hood healthy, then I understand why people would make an argument to it being right, a longer, right. drawn out series. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, that's a great point. Those two, without those two wings, it's just it's nothing for LeBron. <laughs> well, it's it's that thing. Like I've seen people say, "Oh, Melo," and I'm, I'm, I'm they're like, "Dude, Melo couldn't guard LeBron in their primes right. when you know, like, or or, or let's." I'll even, you know, shout out to Aaron Lasul again when he said when Mello was a senior in high school and LeBron was a junior in high school, he couldn't guard him then, let alone now, you know, where LeBron's still crazily somewhere near the peak of basketball, wherever you want to place him in the top two, three, top player, you know, he's still in the top 0.1% in the world and Mello's right. a below average NBA player, which is still better than what a lot of people thought he was, but let's call a spade a spade. He can still definitely yeah. contribute in the NBA but he's nowhere near what he was in Denver, New York, and whatnot. I'm sure right, you exactly. agree with that sentiment exactly. as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so it's it's a fun – I think it's a very fun matchup. Um, I wish our um, Lakers satellite New Orleans Pelicans would have done a little bit better in the bubble. I would have enjoyed that a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even um, get me started on that. You know, I, I would have enjoyed that matchup just because you, you know what I thought of the young players as well. You know, we, we, we've had that conversation many a time, you know, about Ingram and Lonzo and, you know, that, that, that match would have been fun on a personal level for me and for you and for, I'm sure, a lot of Laker fans. Um, but I think the Portland one, while I don't see it being this super difficult, hardest one eight matchup that people are trying to make it out to be. I, like I'm sure you're the same, and I've seen it on your timeline as well. I just don't get it. I, I don't. Well, a lot of it is, is just is just Laker disdain, right? <laughs> that, 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 that's that's a lot. Serious. That's what a lot of it is. Um, a lot of people just weren't fans of how they how this team came together. They thought that mm-hmm. the Lakers were kind of. That the Pelicans were kind of bullied into giving up AD, so they've held something against the Lakers ever since that moment. And just when you won that much over the recent history, like the last twenty mm-hmm. years, you know, it was just there's a lot of people who just wanted to see the team fail. So they create these scenarios in their head where such and such can beat such such and such can beat the Lakers. When in actuality, like the one team I'm legitimately worried about is the Los Angeles Clippers. Like I don't think any other team, mm-hmm. if the Lakers are playing. At their top level, the only team that can compete with them, in my opinion, in the Western Conference is the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, if the Lakers lose to anybody else, they, just, they didn't play well. So the Clippers are the only team that really, not scare me, but the Lakers will have to be at their tip-top shape to beat them. Well, the, the other thing that, that scares me a little bit stylistically from the Lakers' standpoint is Houston. Just But again, with Westbrook being out, I'm, I'm a lot less scared because obviously he won't be – if they do make – a, I don't see him without Westbrook be going past Oklahoma. Same, I'm sure, same here. Same here. Um, I'm sure you have your views about that um, because I think Westbrook in that Mike D'Antoni offense has been, you know, surprisingly, I think he's been very underappreciated this year, just how good he's been. And we saw it in the games that they, that they played against the Lakers because um, I think Alex Caruso, while he's phenomenal defensively, I think the one guy he's consistently struggled with the entire year has been Westbrook. Yeah, that, just that, Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook is just—he's a stronger, quicker guard yeah. as well. So he can just once he gets you on the shoulder, it's on his hip. It's tough to to get back in front. Um, my thing with and I spoke on this I actually recorded yesterday and talked about this. Um, I think what Houston does, the way they play, it's hard to prepare for in an eighty-two game setting because mm-hmm. it's so different. And you just got next game travel. Boom, they're on a schedule. Next team on a mm-hmm. schedule. I think when you get an NBA staff to sit down and prepare something for that specific brand of ball over a course of a series, mm-hmm. I think it becomes easier to uh, manipulate and beat because they're just, they're playing with no center. If you look at the, look at the numbers from when they started playing this way, they hemorrhaged, you know, 15 or 20 rebound deficit. That's 20. Offense, yeah. They have to literally shoot the hell out the ball and turn you over X amount of times just to even out the possession from mm-hmm. a possession standpoint. I think over the course of a series, I don't see how that works consistently mm-hmm. to get them through three rounds of the playoffs, let, let alone one. Like I think I think OK, I, I was picking OKC even if Russ was there because mm-hmm. I don't I think um, I think Donovan's smart enough not to not to let Stephen Adams get played off the floor, and Adams is smart enough to keep himself on the floor in that series and just make good decisions mm-hmm. and not foul. So you know I, I wasn't sold on Houston like that. You know I get I get it from stylistically a stylistic standpoint, but over the course of a series, just you give Anthony Davis a six six guy on a mall series, 
Mm-hmm. No it's rim, over. Yeah, no it's rim, over. Yeah, no rim protection for you know LeBron driving to the cup. I just I don't I don't see how they could beat the Lakers in a series. That's that's just my personal opinion. A lot of people think differently. I, I don't. Well, the other team that I'm worried about, just from again, um, I, I just think they're magnificently well coached, and um, but they might not even make it out of the East, so it's a moot point. Um, I'd be worried about seeing Toronto in a seven game series. I do not um, want to see the Raptors anymore. I agree with you 100. percent That is the worst matchup for the Lakers. I'd rather see the Bucks than Toronto. I promise you, I would. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think we'd beat the Bucks. I think we'd beat the Bucks in six. Like that's how confident. Like, don't get me wrong, Giannis is awesome. He's incredible. But there's just something about LeBron and AD that I think is would overmatch whatever Giannis and his guys would bring. And um, because I, I think I, I don't know what your opinion is. I think as long as we get Kuzma playing sort of close to what this level he's been playing at. I think the Lakers, especially with the Bucks or anyone in the East barring the Raptors, I think they're pretty much unbeatable. Like you said, the only team that I think is there competition-wise is the Clippers. And, you know, I think that was a very good point you made because I, I think that I think if you tell those teams play each other a hundred times, I think one team wins 50, the other team wins 50. It's so, so close on everything. Yeah, exactly. And literally the smallest thing. The the Bucks will be, obviously the Bucks, they're, they're juggling. Magnificent. Yeah. I just think the, the, the way the matchups are set up um, and the way the Bucks play with that four out one in, Mm -hmm. I think the Lakers would do a really good. They did this, this, the second, the second matchup in LA, Mm -hmm. but they just made everybody else beat them. And not, mm-hmm. not let Giannis do it. Remember, Giannis hit five threes that game in Milwaukee. It was like that. That was an outlier performance. <laughs> so, I, I just don't think he'll replicate that over the course of the series. And that four out one in. I think the Lakers are too good defensively. AD's too versatile. Um, I just I, I like the Lakers in that against the Bucks. I do not want to see the Raptors anymore. What the Raptors do is <laughs> better than clearly better than any other team. Um, they can defend. LeBron and AD without as well as needing, anyone without leading and not needing a lot of help. And when you can mm-hmm. defend two, you know, top five, top seven players without needing a lot of help, it just, you eliminate the Lakers role players and you put so much on LeBron and AD's shoulders and it's tough to overcome that. So that's why I do not want to see the Raptors anymore. Just the way they defend offensively, they have those guards that the Lakers can't contain those little quick guards. We talked about earlier, Lowry and Van Fleet, those guys mm-hmm. killed the Lakers in the in the bubble matchup. It's just it's just real tough matchup wise on a lot of fronts. I, I I don't want to see them. I'm really rooting for Milwaukee <laughs> to get the hand of Toronto. As a guy from Manchester, as a guy from Manchester, I can't help but root for Nick Nurse a little bit. Obviously, he has his ties back here in Manchester. Top, top three coach, top three coach. And you know, I, I'm sure you remember that, but. The, the insanity that happened when Nick Nurse was hired as the Raptors coach. Everyone couldn't believe they replaced Dwayne Casey with, with a relative unknown. But in my opinion, you know, and I'm sure everyone now thinks this, it's an absolute upgrade and it was the absolutely right needed to do. That, it was the absolutely needing thing to do for the franchise and Masai Ujiri hit a home run with that again. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, I will say this. Kawhi was the main reason that. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, precisely. It, 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 it was a coaching upgrade. I will, as it was, definitely was a coaching upgrade, but don't get it twisted. If they have DeRozan instead of Kawhi, they're losing to I'll, Philadelphia in the second round, and, and and it is what it is. Well, shouts to Greg Popovich for being petty, you know. Right. <laughs> not, to, not even, to not even get Siakam in that trade is crazy. Well, to, to be so petty to the point where you give up Brandon Ingram, who's a potential superstar, and you get Jakob Pertl and DeMar DeRozan in a trade, I think is... Uh, well, they were, they, I don't they, care. They offered him everything. They offered him everything. They offered him Lonzo, Ingram. Yeah. So I'm but glad, even I'm, just... I'm glad they're not in Spurs uniforms. I could not remember <laughs> the Spurs uniforms. That rivalry goes, goes too deep. So I'm happy they didn't go to the Spurs. To be fair... I agree with you. It's, it's nice being able to root for, for these young ex-Lakers on situations where, you know, there's no actual um, bad blood there. Right, exactly. Per- perfect. No, so um, I just want to touch, uh, last thing, um, obviously you, you made no qualms about um, where you think the Lakers-Blazers matchup will go, but I just want your prediction just to round it off with a cute little bow at the end of it. 
Um, what's your prediction? Um, Lakers in five. Like I'll give game one going supernova. Mm-hmm. Lakers struggle to contain them one game, but I think I think he's going to score a lot all series. But I just think between that, between the Lakers just having more fire, more front court firepower with LeBron and AD, and mm-hmm. the Blazers not being able to defend. The Lakers just they can't score enough to beat the Lakers. I think they won't get the stops. Well, that, and I, I definitely agree. I think Lakers in I, I was gonna say four, but then I respect Damon Nurk too much to not give him a game. So I'll go I'll go Lakers in five as well. Um, like you said, and I I, I I hope Terry Stotts tries to play Whiteside and Nurkic again together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why not, you know? Go Galaxy Brain, Terry Stotts, you know, <laughs> while everyone else is digging you, Zach. Um, I just want to touch – I want to go into a more general, you know, we don't we don't really go general on the Lakers side chats, but I feel like you're as good a guest as any to go general NBA knowledge because, you know, we have our opinions. Um, the first-round matchups, I think, you know, obviously the 1-8 matchups, the 2-8 the, the matchups in both conferences and the 2-7 matchup in the East, I think uh, – Foregone conclusions, basically. Um, I think Philly are in trouble in the first round as well. Um, yeah, I think I think I think they caught. I think the only thing is, I think I don't think Boston matches up well with Embiid. Mm-hmm. So it might go a little longer, but other than that, I would agree. Everywhere else, they have a they have an advantage, so I, I agree. But then I think every other matchup is. It might not go seven games, but I think there's some really interesting matchups there. You know, I think I think there's really interesting. Um, Teams that are in the, the the playoffs that you know, um, like like you know, hyper, just I'll throw the Oklahoma City Thunder, where a lot of people thought they'd be you know the one of the worst teams in the NBA, and they've been magnificent the entire year. Which is you know a lot of respect needs to be given to Chris Paul, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Gallinari, all those dudes, and then Billy Donovan on top of it. It's amazing what happens yeah. when you let Billy Donovan just coach a little bit. Like that's what's happened this year. It's like yeah, well, he's well, been. Well, yeah, well, I will say this: a lot of a lot of uh, like the guys I've talked to who work, mm-hmm. a lot of guys just they don't um, not afraid, but it's tough to coach big personality. Yeah. And you saw this with you know you know Brad Stevens and Kyrie, mm-hmm. they didn't mesh well, right? But Stevens is still a great coach. You know, Kyrie's gone. Like the purpose have gotten better. You know, Russell Westbrook leaves. The you know Thunder get better. It's just uh, that that I think that's what separates you know great coaches from the really good ones the ability mm-hmm. to get to get a, a, a big superstar to buy in to the team concept. I think that's what Phil and Pop were able to do. Like they, Duncan, Shaq, Kobe, right, Jordan before that, Jordan, Pippen. I think, yeah, I, think I think it's a dividing line. The guys are able to hone in superstars, but you know Donovan has always been to me. Like I loved him at Florida. Uh, he's a great coach. It's just sometimes it's tough when you deal with a big personality. And Westbrook had been there before him. It's kind of his team, so it's tough it's to his team, to, yeah. to kind of change his ways to do what you want to do as a new coach. He's the franchise player on a max contract, right? So he's got the leverage. If he doesn't want to change, he's not going to change. Precisely. So, yeah, I think I like OKC Houston is my favorite. The first round matchup I think is going to be very competitive and has a storyline mm-hmm. behind it. Obviously, Harden's old home. You know he. Westbrook, uh, <laughs> um, CP. They, they trade Chris Paul for Westbrook. Harden's like, I know what we need to do now. He trades Chris trades Chris Paul for Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if OKC beats them, that just uh, I think that's a cherry on top for Chris Paul. Oh, I think um, Chris Paul sort of sort. I still think people have been very complimentary of Chris Paul, but I still think it's been very understated just how good the OKC Thunder have been this year. Um, they've had injuries like almost the entire year. Um, they've had guys in and out the lineup, but they haven't really missed a beat. Like they've been solid the entire year. And I think Chris Paul's leadership on court and then Billy Donovan's coaching and then the likes of Steven Adams, who is um, one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, like you said, if he's, he has this like um, uh, reputation of being this madman, but if you actually watch him play basketball, he's incredibly smart on the court. Like you said, he's good enough that he won't get outplayed in like a Gobert situation, like the in the Utah Jazz game. I think Gobert gets outplayed, and he and you have to take him out of the game. I don't think he can do that to Stephen Adams. I really don't. Yeah. Um, well, he's got he's got more touch offensively than Gobert, yeah. so he's not he's not like you know. He's an advantage if you dump it in there to him. Like he has great hands. 
he can score on his own a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think that's his little that's a separator there. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, just I would be more fearful. Not fearful because the Lakers are better, but I think OKC they push the Lakers harder than Houston does, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just you got Adams. If the Lakers inexplicably you know keep Javale out there for those 15, 18 minutes a game, which drives me nuts because he shouldn't be in the rotation at all. Mm-hmm. It just drives me crazy when he plays. It's just he's just not a the team's so good it hasn't mattered to this point. But he's just he's just not a he's not a he's not a a, a, a playoff player, a championship no, level not. player for trying to win a championship. Lakers have overcome it though, so that that would worry me. Adams McGee matchup. Adams mm-hmm. if you watch the game they played in the bubble, Adams just you know runs circles around obliterated him. him yeah, <laughs> you know they have the guy you know Dort. And Diallo, they you know they make LeBron work. Abdel uh, Nader as well. He's a decent player off the yeah, bench make, for him. You know, Gallinari is a tough matchup. That's a stretch four or a three position. And obviously, Paul and SGA are tough for the Lakers to defend. Now, those quicker guards who know what they're doing. So I think the Thunder mm-hmm. push the Lakers harder than the Rockets. You know, personally. Well, I, I agree with you on that, but I just want to throw a hypothetical one on the OKC Thunder. I. I understand why the Clippers do the trade for Paul George, and I'm not disputing that trade at mm-hmm. all. Because if if you get a a top five player, top three player in the NBA to come to your team, you do whatever it takes to get him to come to that team. Like that, that's my um, opinion behind it. But if you're the OKC Thunder, I'm sure you agree with this. But like, I am thanking God, I'm thanking every deity out there that that trade happened because I feel like it, A, it set them up really well for the future because SGA is legit. B, franchise point guard, yeah. Gallinari is, I've always think, I always thought he's been very underrated while he's been in the NBA. Um, like you said, that stretch four, he, he's, he's probably, you know, barring injury, he's probably the perfect stretch four to have that's not a superstar. You know, yeah, prototype for a guy who just want yeah. to fit in your system, yeah. So I think that, and then obviously the 78 million first round picks they got in the future as well, you know, that also helps a lot, you know, for sustainability. Um, but like you said, I think, and I think the better coach than the, the Rockets are as well. Um, yeah, I would agree, I would agree. And with that, like you said, I think it definitely would be a harder matchup for the Lakers. I want to get your opinion on my most interesting matchup, which is the Clippers-Mavs. And like we touched off, uh, I still think the Clippers win that game, uh, win that series, sorry. I think, you know, it will probably be a five or six game series. However, I see the Clippers struggling more against the Mavs than the Lakers do against the Blazers, in my opinion anyway, mm-hmm. just because I think... The matchups, while Kawhi and Paul George, I think will blow them off the floor eventually. And then you have uh, the likes of is Harold back from the quarantine bubble yet? I'm not sure whether he's you know in or out for the first. Yeah, Harold, he's he's he's, he's he, no, his quarantine will be cleared. He got he got he tested every day. He was out, so he okay. got four day quarantine. So, so he'll so be, he'll be there. But so yeah. yeah, so I think you know having Harold there, having Kawhi, Paul George. Beverly, Reggie, I think it'll be too much for the Mavs, but I think there's enough with the Dallas Mavericks where even if they turn up their defense a little bit, because their de- defense has gone awful, um, <laughs> that could go six games just because of how good their offense is. Yeah, I just, I, I differ a little bit. Uh, just looking at the, from a matchup standpoint, I thought that mm-hmm. was, I thought going in the bubble, I thought the Mavericks would really make a push to move up. They were a few mm-hmm. games behind the start. Uh, I think I thought the Clippers were the absolute worst matchup for them. I thought Dallas would have a, shot, a puncher's chance against Denver, mm-hmm. um, but against the, the the Mavericks, against the Clippers, you know, uh, Luca's first playoff experience. You know, he's got he's got to pick his poison. He's got you know Bev, Kawhi, or Paul George to try to attack on the on the mm-hmm. wings. Um, I just think the way they defend, I think the Clippers have too many vets. Kawhi's in championship, going to be in championship mode. Uh, Paul George is in his ideal spot as a number two, I think. He's comfortable being I agree with that. Robin. Uh, Beverly's, you know, going to be his pesky self. Um, I just don't, like you said, Dallas defensively doesn't have enough to stop the Clippers. And when the Clippers, when when, when they make threes, they're unbeatable. Yeah, I agree with that. When they make threes, they're just, they have so many guys who can shoot. And when they all get on, they're unbeatable, and I think the Dallas doesn't have the personnel to stop them from getting the looks that mm-hmm. they want. And while Dallas may be able to score, I don't know if you, I don't know if you, uh, it's it's out there now. I've seen it, but Dallas has uh, their offense goes from 
number one in NBA history, technically, to worst in the league in the last five minutes of a game. So the last five minutes of a game, they have the worst crunch time offense in basketball. I just think for a playoff setting, that is the death nail because you got to be able to get mm-hmm. tough baskets in close games. So I think that's what will be Dallas's death nail. I got the Clippers in five. Um, I think Luca has something again. What I see from Luca, like I wasn't as high as Luca as everybody. I've been completely wrong on Luca from jump. Mm-hmm. I think he has something in him where he will his game will rise in big situations like this. So I think he'll still one just being great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just I don't see them really pushing to, uh, the Clippers past five games. Well, that's fair. Like 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 I said, I think I think they'll push them harder than the Blazers will push the Lakers. Um, It'll be a close five games. Though. They won't get blown yeah. off the floor. Like they'll they'll make them work for it. Whereas I, I could see a situation where the Lakers blow the Blazers off the floor four out of five games. You know, like I could genuinely see that. Um, it's it's a very interesting series just from the standpoint of like yeah, like Luca's awesome, and you know, I just hope he starts to try defensively from next season because <laughs> that's what it seems like to me. He just he's he was a better defender because obviously I've watched him since he was sixteen playing for Real Madrid, and as you know, I've I've always thought Luca was. Top yeah, I remember. Yeah, I said, um, I, I, I said straight away, like this guy's unbelievable. Like, um, he, defensively, he was better at Real Madrid, and I know people go, "It's a different game, this, that, and the other, whatnot." He tried more. <laughs> that that was a difference. <laughs> I'm not. He was never a good defender, but he was passable. And when you're a superstar and you're that good offensively, and you just make your defense passable, that helps a lot. Obviously, okay. having the Having the personnel around him also will help. You know, I think Paul's, I think it's a year too early for Paul Zingis as well. He's still coming back from that big injury. He's been very good though, been fantastic. But I think next season was when we'll see the real Paul Zingis instead of like this Paul Zingis where he's still sort of still coming yeah. back. Yeah, he was already he was before the stop. I just remember he was gearing up. Like his mm-hmm. his game in January and January or February, he was really like a lot of thirty and 10, 20. Yeah, and it was it was really good. Yeah, he was really trending up. Uh, before the season started, so yeah, uh, season stopped. I mean, so I can definitely see that happening, like in the next year. But I think Dallas, Dallas does a great job. Did a great job building around Dirk. Like they'll build around their star. Like they'll get a bunch of wing defenders, a bunch of guys that can shoot, you know, stuff like that. No, I think they'll be there when this current, you know, Laker, Clipper, Rockets, you know, those mm-hmm. teams are a little bit older when this era is over. You know, I've got Dallas and Denver as the, you know, the two best teams in the conference. You know, going forward depending on how the Lakers build around Anthony Davis, obviously, in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. Well, it's a very interesting one because also Rick Kyle, we, we, everyone knows how good a coach Rick Carlisle is as well. You know, absolutely, he, absolutely. So so you, you know that they're only going to improve the more time, you know, you get Luca and Pozingis on the court. And then I really like Dorian Finney-Smith, for example. I think he's really good. Um, I think they need another five because – I like Marjanovic a lot, but in the in, in in the modern NBA, he can only play spot minutes against certain teams. Right. Yeah. Um, as much as I like him, um, which I do, you know, obviously big up the ex Yugoslavian connection there. Uh, <laughs> there. There's a lot of them now, so I need to make I need to keep track of where they are. Before it used to be easy. Now it's difficult. Now it's having to keep track of all of them. Um, but no, it, it's it's a fun matchup, and like you said, it'll be a close five or six games. But I still think the Clippers will prevail as well. Like it's it, it's one of those where Dallas is still a year too early from being a, a, a legitimate threat to anyone. In my agreed, opinion. yeah, agreed. Same, same, same sentiment here. Yeah, I agree. It, it reminds me a lot of the Warriors before they. Um, I'm not saying they'll be as good as the Warriors did maps, by the way, but it reminds me a lot of the Steph and Clay teams who were really, really pesky. They were always pushing the top seeds really hard, but at the end of the day, the top seeds, yeah. yeah, the top seeds finished their business, which is still crazy because Luca's 20 and Porzingis is like 25. Like yeah, these that's guys like, have time. That's, 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 that's like a you know Luca for the next 12 years is going to be, you know, soon he'll be a top top three player soon. And just you know, I think the Mavs to this to you know just the ceiling is the limitless. I, I agree. And while we're on Luca, I just want to ask. I think he's a top ten player right now. What's your opinion of him? Um, I just I like to hold off on young guys until I mm-hmm. see them in a playoff situation where they get adjusted to game to game, how they respond to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's nothing. Everything that he's put on the floor shows that he's going to be 
more than top ten. He's going to be top five. No, I agree with that. Uh, that, that, that everything is trending that way for sure. But mm-hmm. I just like to hold off until I, I've said this on the timeline. Let me see it in a playoff situation. Does he maintain the same level of play? And if he does, I got no problem putting him. <laughs> Well, I, I just want to get you, you know, there's a matchup in the East that I'm really interested in as well as the uh, the Heat-Pacers matchup. Uh, obviously, I'd be more interested in it if Sabonis was playing because I think he adds an extra element to Indiana. Yeah, him and, him and Bam would have been fun to watch. Oh, really fun. Really fun to watch. Two All-Stars, by the way. Like, right, right. <laughs> congratulations to both. You know, much-deserved mm-hmm. All-Stars, by the way, to both of them. Um what do you think about that matchup? Because I think the, the Heat take that, but I think that's going to be a dog fight. I really do. I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah, I got um, you know, I got Miami in seven, but as seven game series could go either way. But I just have to have Miami in seven. I just think without Sabonis, it's just tough. But I think McMillan's a great coach. He's got a well deserved extension. His teams Definitely. always his teams always resemble him. Just tough, hard nosed. I think he'll be a. I think it'll be a rock fight, man. I mean, it was physical. One of those um, those mid '90s throwbacks. <laughs> when Miami and Indiana used to go back in the '90s, like it'll be yeah, one of those. Precisely. <laughs> so I think it'll be fun, man. It'll, that, that'll be one of those old school. You know, if you love basketball, how it used to be, that's the one to tune in for you. Well, there'll, there'll be some new school elements as well because you'll have Duncan Robinson shooting like 15 frees a game, and that's oh, the only Miami and Indiana was a big rivalry. Oh, yeah, in the Eastern Conference for a while. I remember with the uh, Reggie Miller and the um, and the Davis boys, and you had mm-hmm. Tim Hardaway and Alonzo Mourning, great, was, uh, great. Jamal Ashburn over there. Yeah, so great matchups, and then obviously yeah. in the 2010s, you've had. The LeBron James big free heat against you know exactly. Paul George, Alan. Exactly. Yeah, there's a history there. There's a history. David West, Roy Hibbert, right. you know, all star Roy Hibbert. Right. Uh, so there's, there's definitely history to say. Still crazy to say about Roy Hibbert being an all star. <laughs> the game just changed mid, mid in the middle of his career, and it was all bad. <laughs> oh man. I don't think I've ever seen a player while we're on that topic go from Really, really useful to really, really useless in like yeah, such a short span. Yeah, the game changed, man. The game changed. That pace and space spread out. You just uh, emphasis on a three point line, pick and roll. You're, if you're big, can't get out there and hedge pick and roll. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's very tough, and that that, that that's why I've you know um, always had the Lakers very high, just because when you have AD at that five, which I think we'll start to see a lot of. Because that's what I want to touch on next. We've touched on, you know, the matchups that excite us. Um, obviously, uh, the, I I believe that the playoff rotation will be a lot different. Um, obviously, JaVale, I think, will still start. But I think we'll see him in a very Golden State-esque type playoff role where he starts, plays four minutes, and then doesn't play again. I would not be surprised. Yeah, the thing for me was uh, what made me a little worried was the Vogel's presser. He was talking mm-hmm. about well, AD's going to play the same amount of center he played in the regular season. And I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> just those minutes are so tough to watch. I mean, Dwight's mm-hmm. okay sometimes, depending on the matchup. But it just seems like JaVale is just, I think after he plays a certain amount of minutes, it's just like the law of diminishing return. Yeah. Since he's out there too long, something, he's going to just do something bad. <laughs> make a play, <laughs> make you know, those mind head scratching plays. Like, you know, why did he do that? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because, in theory, with the, as athletic as he is, he should be fitting in today's NBA better. Like he's, he's perfectly, moved. yeah, yeah. It just he just doesn't the, the IQ the IQ part of it just doesn't match up with the physical talent. Well, I tell you, I'm enjoying his vlogs, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> he's just yeah. The Javel experience <laughs> is different. Well. Touching on what you said about Vogel saying that AD is going to get the same minutes as the five, approximately as he did in the regular season, um, I'll throw I'll throw a, a, a query at you. Um, is it because he might consider Markeith being the five in that role? Just a hypothetical. Uh, I've heard Just that. He's AD. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people uh, put that out there. That would be good to see Markeith out there at the center position. Like anything that's you know. That's any non javel minutes are, are great to me. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, the, the, like I said, the whites, the white, depending on the matchup, can get out there for you know 10, 15 minutes. But just AD at the five, the team just becomes almost nearly, nearly unstoppable. 
right? Yeah, exactly. Stay at the five. He just he just hates the position. It just is what it is. You know, he said it when he got traded here at the first press conference. He's so, a fool. Lakers are just kind of <laughs> appeasing him on that front. Yeah. And it is, you know, he's a contract here. They gotta you gotta appease him. You know, I understand the business side of it, but just you know, hopefully it's an ace in the hole when they pull it out when most needed. I think against the Clippers, he's gonna have to play a majority of the series at the five. You know, if when mm-hmm. that matchup happens, have to do that. Um even against, you know, Milwaukee or Toronto, he will to give them mm-hmm. a fighting chance against, you know, the Raptors. So we'll oh, see what happens. I'm, Hopefully he's, you know, open to playing more of it in a playoff situation. Well, I was just about to touch on that. Uh, you know, he can hate it as much as he wants, but we're talking about the best players in the world. I think they realize that, where, where, especially LeBron. Um, LeBron, I think, realizes where the matchups and the advantages, apart from when it involves Rondo. Because apparently he has like no <laughs> sensor or filter when it comes to Rajon Rondo being bad. Like I, I don't understand it. Like um, LeBron has always been like really quick to call out his teammates, but Rondo still gets a ton of minutes. But I digress on that situation because we'll get to it when we get to it. I guess um, no, but yeah, I think I think AD at the five will happen. I wouldn't be mad if they don't pursue it in the first couple of rounds just to preserve AD. Like, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't mind losing an extra game if it means having AD at the five for, let's say, a, a conference finals matchup against the Clippers and then latterly against either the Bucks or Raptors. I don't yeah, know how you I feel think, about I think, that. I think, I think just uh, the way the matchups are, if they play mm-hmm. Houston or OKC, AD's going to have to play a lot of five in the mm-hmm. second round. Like, you may be able to get away with it because the uh, the Blazers put Nurk and Collins out there. Mm-hmm. So he can play a lot of four this series, but against the OKC or or Houston is just you know uh, Adams just kills McGee every time they play. Mm-hmm. I just think AD's gonna have to play a lot of five to, against OKC to make sure the series doesn't go six or seven games. Just just my opinion. Before I watch a lot of like a ton of film and make a mm-hmm. educated decision. Well. I- I agree with you on that, by the way. I was just trying to be devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to stir up some controversy. Um, I know we okay, touched okay. on it. I know we touched on it a little bit. Um, I watched a LeBron against the Pacers, and I'm not worried about LeBron anymore. I realized that he's now he was just coasting through that regular part. That was basically his cardio before the playoffs start, and I respect that because he's 35 and do whatever you need to do. How do you feel about LeBron going into the playoffs, you know, just as, as, as a fan and then as a person who analyzes the game as well? Uh, he, uh, I said this, you know, I had this conversation yesterday. Um, I just, knowing that he, understand that he knows his body, he's mm-hmm. in the conversation for the most finely tuned athlete, like in sports history. Ever. <laughs> being, yeah, just in any sport, just being able to be, close to peak performance this far into his career. So mm-hmm. I think just he's, he's earned the right for everybody to not question him and understand that he knows what he's mm-hmm. doing. Um, there is, you can see a little bit of like physical slippage, which is expected at his age, but he's so smart from an IQ and just passing standpoint in the game has slowed down so much for him that you can, you know, he's still one of the top two players in the NBA. The only player who's really can stake a claim to him at this point is, is Kawhi. Well, Giannis over the 82 oh. in the playoff series, I'd still probably take Kawhi over Giannis. Oh, but I just, agree with you. I agree yeah, that, with you on that. that, that yeah. That's where that's where I am with that. But it's to still be like you know, no less than a top two player in the NBA with uh you know, even at a slowed down standpoint, I think he he's been in the playoffs so much, he understands what it takes to win. I, I'm not worried about him. What I am worried mm-hmm. about is the Lakers ability to make shots. Because I think what the the little bit of slippage we have seen from LeBron is he's not scoring through contact as efficiently as he was at a, as a younger, more explosive player, right? He used to jump, just elevate over guys, finish through them. When you lose a step, the athleticism comes down to maybe slightly above NBA average or above, just above NBA average instead of elite. So you're relying more on guys to make shots to have less help come mm-hmm. when you drive. So that's if the Lakers or guys are making open shots, I think it'll make his playoff run significantly easier. I agree with that, and you know what? The the last few games, um, I I I think Dion Waiters has been fantastic throughout the entire bubble. I think he's been legitimately one of the biggest bright spots for the Lakers. Um, 
just a guy who can actually get his own shot in non-LeBron minutes is huge. Like, it, it opens up so much stuff. And then his, I mean, in the first five, six games, everyone's spot up shooting was off. But, like, if you look at him in the last couple of games and before that, in his Miami days, in his Cleveland days, he's a really good spot up shooter. And he's a guy who, in late game situations, if he got that shot, I trust him to make it. If you know what I mean, I don't think that opportunity would phase him like like it would some other players. Yeah, I just think um, with Dion, it's just going to be um, a, just a mixed bag. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's been mostly positive. It's just uh, you know shot selection and defense were just always my two things with mm-hmm. Dion. Um, just being aware of his job defensively, like he's a, he's a little above average. He's above average on the ball. He just gets lost within the scheme of the defense sometimes. Yeah, you can see it. In the bubble. And then shot selection, obviously, like you, you love the confidence, just, you know, time and situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, I think he's been a more of a plus than a negative. I, I love that he's getting minutes. I hope mm-hmm. Rondo doesn't take anybody's minutes. Rondo should be in a suit when he comes back. He should be um, assistant coach, Rondo. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, – uh, I don't know if, if Deion will be closing. I think the closing lineup is going to be uh, A.D., Kuz, LeBron, uh, LeBron, of course, and then, uh, you know, Danny Green, Caruso, or a, a two-man combo of Danny mm-hmm. Green, Caruso, or um, Casey playing better. So I don't know if Deion will be closing, but what he does do is the team is not – the biggest takeaway from the bubble from even the Lakers is the mm-hmm. team is not falling off a cliff when LeBron goes to the bench because you have creators on the floor mm-hmm. that aren't Rondo. Well, that, that, that's huge. Yeah. And I think – we finally replaced a secondary playmaker that the Lakers plan to have in Boogie Cousins because I feel like the, the roster was so beautifully set up to have Boogie be the secondary playmaker once LeBron was off the court. And then obviously, you know, his injury didn't help that. And I hope yeah, he gets better luck. soon. Tough you know, luck. I hope, yeah. and, I, and I hope we get to see him in a Lakers jersey next season. To be honest with you, I, I'd rather him than JaVale a billion times out of a billion. I just got to see his health. Um, yeah. I like, like I said, man, it's just these situations you just like, you know, just you look back, like just imagine like what if they just didn't release Thomas Bryant, right? Oh, so man. Don't him. even get me started on he, that. He, like, he, all right, he fits on this roster hand in glove. He's, he's the shooting, perfect five. Shooting, toughness, defense, rebounding, right? So just think about stuff like that, like – Hopefully they Lakers do they do have their pick. They just it's next year's pick. Twenty eighth pick, yeah, yeah. So I think they'll be able to. Like, if you can find a big that can learn throughout the season mm-hmm. and maybe contribute later on, possibly. But yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> no Javale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, less Javale the better. I feel like we should have had a Magic Johnson veto card. Like any move that Magic Johnson made, we should have been able to retroactively once he went. Been like, sorry guys, we made a mistake there. That was all magic. That wasn't the Lakers organization. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Oh, I agree. You, you know, like we we can say whatever we want about Palinka and stuff, but I I feel like ever since Magic left, I know we've gone on a, on a bit of a tangent here, but ever since Magic has gone, it feels a lot more calmed down the whole situation. Yeah, hey, I think. Um... I think Palinka does a really good job of keeping stuff in-house. Mm-hmm. There's not all these media leaks, right, to just incite controversy. I think that's a big part of it. And uh, he's also um, – he's very patient. He obviously has a working rate relationship with LeBron James as mm-hmm. far as the roster goes. So I think those things working hand-in-hand have made it so just, so just a really good situation like this, this far. And obviously he won't win executive of the year because it's like the way the league is against the Lakers – a lot of people just aren't fans of how they went about acquiring, you know, Anthony Davis, like with mm-hmm. the whole clutch situation. But you know, to me, he definitely deserves, you know, aside from the Rondo and JaVale thing, I think the roster is, you know, pretty good. And just adding, getting, adding Keith and Dion for nothing, right, later in the season. Exactly. I think that, you know, those, those were really savvy moves as to our getting the Lakers things that they needed, you know, going towards the playoffs. Even that not sitting on their lower as a number one seed, mm-hmm. like not being dissatisfied. Well, I also think you know. I know. I know we had a bit of a hiring mishmash to get to a uh, Frank Vogel, but I think that hiring was huge as well. That's that's another one there that you know. I think Frank Vogel being the Lakers head coach has helped a lot this season as well. Yeah, I just think he's perfect. He's a defensive-minded coach who doesn't need a lot of headlines. You know, obviously LeBron's going to get a lot of the attention. Mm-hmm. He's going to get a lot of the attention. So 
you just need a coach that's not going to garner much. It's a behind-the-scenes guy who just does his work and puts the guys in position to be successful. Well, it's it's not rocket science that LeBron respects him a lot as well. You can tell that you know LeBron and AD have that respect for Frank Vogel, which is huge. Like we talked, we touched on it earlier. If you can get through to your superstar players, that makes things a lot easier for you, you know. And he, he yeah, could, you're right. It could have been a David, it, could, yeah, it could have been a David Blatt situation where LeBron just doesn't respect the guy. So, you know, Vogel Vogel's got that part of it down. Well, you know, and I, the the more I talk about the Lakers, the more confident I am about the playoffs. And I don't know if that's the Homer in me or if that's the cynic in me. Also, going the Lakers are also really good alongside that just being your favorite team. <laughs> No, they're they're good. I think I said I, I said earlier, like maybe 10, 15 minutes ago, if the Lakers are playing like how they're capable of playing, the only teams mm-hmm. on their level, in my opinion, are in the West is just the Clippers. In the East, you mm-hmm. know, the Bucks and the Raptors potentially, you know, even if they're at their highest level. Aside from that, I'm extremely confident in whatever situation the Lakers walk in, in as far as our opponent goes. Oh, so am I. And you know, I, I am I hope that we can do this again, let's say conference finals time. When it's the Lakers Clippers. <laughs> Let's do it. I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Just, just before we sign off, though, um, I ask every guest this. I, I always ask them off the cuff because I like to see their honest response. Um, obviously, ever since Kobe Bryant passed away, I have done a little segment at the end where I ask everyone what their favorite Kobe moment is. It doesn't have to be a basketball moment, it doesn't have to be, you know. Just what 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 he sticks with you and Kobe Bryant, because you know I feel like honoring that man's legacy, especially as Lakers fans in a Lakers podcast, is very important, and we should preach the message of Kobe Bryant for the rest of the days, man. I really do believe yeah. that strongly. See, my favorite Kobe man is so many. <laughs> That's yeah. why it's great to ask. <laughs> uh, just I remember, man, just uh, just putting myself in a position as a as a as a just a teenager. Watching that, uh, the two thousand one, that series against the uh, the Spurs, mm-hmm. when he just was just unguardable, just watching him play, just in that zone, like you know, Tim Duncan and Shaq were on the floor, and the best player was Kobe Bryant at age twenty two, right? Or age twenty three, yeah. And that's just like it's ridiculous. Those are two of the top three at their position of all time. Duncan, the greatest power forward. Shaq is a top three center. So you know that 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 is obviously up there. And then probably in a tie for that is when, you know, seeing the joy on his face when he finally won that first championship without mm-hmm. Shaq, that 2009 against the Orlando Magic, just seeing the joy in his eyes when he finally was like, okay, I'm going to get my due as the guy finally when he, you know, kind of played a role all those years to make sure the team won. Seeing him get his due as the guy was also special for me as a Kobe fan. It's it's an awesome, well, like literally, like you said, there's countless to pick out. Like I, yeah. I, I can give you a new one every time we record. Like the one that honestly, in, honestly, I could. Like, like, like the one that sticks out to me today is um, at work. I was watching a little highlight reel of the uh, 2010 game seven. It came up on my timeline on Twitter, and that shot to make it set 68-64 in the fourth. I remember watching it live, going, "Yeah, we've won this game." Like, I'm not worried now. We're up by four. He finally hit. He finally hit. That that, that shot's in. So. Yeah, like like you said, that 2001 playoff series against the Spurs, like like you said, it's crazy. He wasn't even 23 yet, and he's the best player on the court. <laughs> yeah, right. So and crazy. and I, you, I'm sure you, I know you're the same with me when it is this revisionism when it comes to Kobe Bryant in NBA Twitter circles and the NBA media circles is ridiculous, man. I don't even, uh, you know, I made a conscious decision not to discuss Kobe on Twitter anymore. It's just, it's, it's so disingenuous. I think somebody said Precisely. it best. I don't, feel, I don't feel the need to defend Kobe Bryant to a bunch of nineteen and twenty year olds who weren't just were five, five and six years old when he was playing and don't have any idea about context or stuff that happened in the moment and understanding that in the context of NBA history. So, you know, I just, I kind of abstain from talking about Kobe. It just, it get me too wound up. <laughs> So, so, so James Harden isn't the second greatest shooting guard of all time. You know, right? Having. When people say stuff like that, it has no, it no sense. I just, I just scroll by it, or I just, I just mute somebody. And just, you know, I don't feel the need to defend takes like that. There's just no, oh. there's no need. To it just, it's, it, Kobe Bryant's legacy is above that, in my no, opinion. I, 
I agree with you 100%. I just find it hilarious that, you know, like, I'm young, man. Like, it's not even a case of, like, you, you, you're just stupid. Like, that, that that's my thing. I know, and there's, but they think they're not because they got their spreadsheet and their percentages and, you know, their analytics that show this, this, and this without any context or nuance. Exactly, precisely. So, that's where they are with it. Like, I, I don't have, I don't feel the, I don't have the energy or the desire to, to argue with Kobe about, you know, with a bunch of stat nerds anymore. It's just, it's just not something I'm interested in doing any longer. Well, as you know, I'm a big fan of analytics. I, I love analytics, but at the same time, you have to add context to analytics. Otherwise, Thank analytics you. makes no sense. Ask. That's all I ask. Like, I, I could give you any number. Like, I could give you per 36 minutes, X player is better than LeBron James. You know, like, but that makes no sense. Like you have to have a big um, area of actually looking at something. So when you look at Kobe Bryant averaging 36 a game in a season in 2005, that's the equivalent for me of someone averaging 50 a game in this current NBA. Like people don't realize like the difference, like when averaging in them dog years of the NBA and now, and I know we've gone off on a tangent from favorite Kobe moment to like ranting a little bit, but I agree with you 100% when it comes to that. Like, there's too many stat nerds out there that just try to argue their point just to be a bit controversial and get follows on Twitter. Exactly. And, exactly. Hot take specialists. Oh, man. The Skip Baylesses of the world. Like, right. the, guy, the guy who doesn't think Dame Lillard's a superstar, but it's going to beat the Lakers anyway. <laughs> right. Every other day we get a different, a different side of it from that man. Oh. Bipolar. He nah he he's he's about one thing and that's the money. <laughs> I don't even think it's bipolar. I think he's just all about the money. And I think he yeah. thinks people are stupid. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm just so, sorry you share the same football team as him, but that's a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> Pay that. This is our year. Pay this is our year. We got the new coach. This is our year. Listen. If, if there wasn't a certain Russell Wilson with Jamal Adams in Seattle, I, I, I'd say yes. But you know, I love West Virginia. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very lucky as a Seahawks and Lakers fan. I feel like we're entering peak Russell with this LeBron team. I feel like it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to support both teams right now. Might, might all come together for you. No, Pete Carroll will still insist on running the ball every single round. <laughs> I, I, I have, I have no doubts about that. But again, I digress. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Just tell the people where they can find your podcast. I know I've mentioned it at the start, but I think it's phenomenal. I think the work you guys have done up until now, the first few episodes have been brilliant. Just plug it for me, please. Oh, yeah, man. It's the Temple of Hope. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you go to my Twitter page, on my uh, pin tweet, say JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Uh, it's the pin tweet. Uh, hit that follow button. You know, I'll, I'll try hard not to get on your nerves. I just keep it real. <laughs> nah, he Jason's one of the good guys, man. He, he just says what he believes in. And you know what? I respect him for it because you know what? There's a lot of people out there on Twitter that, you know, as soon as they the thing that they says happens in the opposite direction, they delete tweets or they block <laughs> people. Jason argues with you, man. And, 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 I, and I love that. And, you know, he's, he's man enough to admit when he's wrong. And you know what? That takes some courage Luca, as well. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was right, by the way. That's 1-0 against oh, me and you. you, got that. you got that. <laughs> yeah, but go listen to Jason's podcast. I'll leave a link in the description in, in the podcast below. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to leave both our podcasts a five-star review. Um, his definitely deserves it. Mine, not so much. He's just a rambling British dude. Thanks again oh, for God. listening. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, guys. Take care. Stay safe.